Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 287. We love to share others' cruising experiences on the podcast, and this week, we head over to the newly refurbished Independence of the Seas, and we've got a cruise review for some good friends who got a chance to cruise on her for their first big Royal Caribbean cruise. Rafael and Alana talk about what they did on board, what they like best, and share some tips for cruising on Indy. Here we go. One of the Royal Caribbean ships that recently got a major update was Independence of the Seas, and a lot of folks have now taken notice of this great ship, and joining us this week are two friends of ours that got a chance to sail on Independence of the Seas. They are Raphael and Alana. Welcome, guys, to uh, the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having us. Hello, hello. Absolutely, and of course, I uh, got a chance to chat with Alana and Raphael before their cruise on Independence of the Seas. They actually invited me to join them on their YouTube channel. I'll post a link in the show notes to that video, so that way you guys can get even more of the three of us talking cruising, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> which was a lot of fun. And then they were going on Independence. I was like, guys, you got to come join me on the Royal Green Blog podcast to review your cruise. And here you are, back from your indie cruise. Talk to us about uh, which which sailing did you end up booking? Uh, well, we... We ended up sailing on uh, the Independence of the Seas now. Gosh, we've been home for a week. It was on... Basically, I went to Labadee and Falmouth, Jamaica. Right? Cool. Yep. It was Eastern a five-night cruise, right? Five-night cruise, yes. Awesome. And what drew you to Independence in the first place? Believe it or not, it's been on my list for the past 10 years since it actually came out. Uh, we actually found a, a very good deal. So last year, when we had just uh, came back from 104 January cruise, we decided, okay, let's see what we're going to find for next January. And Independence popped up, and we got sail for the first time. Awesome. So what kind of stateroom did you book for this cruise? We booked an inside stateroom. Uh, we generally always... Uh, try and go for an inside stateroom, and uh, you know when it's just the two of us, it's easy enough that we, we make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, do you guys prescribe to the theory that inside room? You know, when you book a room, you go for the inside room because you'd rather spend your money elsewhere. How much time do you really spend in the room? Is that kind of your take on it, or is it a matter of you know where the budget is when you're actually booking a particular cruise? I would say a little bit of both. I mean, if I can get a balcony for a steal, uh, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> but but yeah, I think budget uh, definitely kind of overweighs that decision. And, you know, on, on the independence of the seas, it's such a beautiful ship that you make the entire ship your home, not just the cabin. Absolutely. So talk to us about what you thought of Independence of the Seas. We'll dive into some of the specifics you did on board. But Alana, what did you think of Independence when you were like first walking on? Oh, well, you can catch this in my vlogs. I literally had to pick my jaw up off of the floor. I was just – everything looked so shiny and new. I was so excited. Uh, you could really tell um, that it was just clean, and I was I was super impressed. How about you, Raphael? It was definitely a change of <clears throat> a culture shock <laughs> going from uh, Enchantment of the Seas, Majesty of the Seas, almost doubling the size to Independence of the Seas. And I believe we wa- uh, we came in on one of the lower decks and the first thing we saw was the promenade. And it just basically enlightens you in a new perspective and seeing, you know, basically here's the promenade that – goes a mile long. I mean, not a mile long, but it, it makes for a really grand entrance. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I know. It's a fantastic ship. And obviously coming from smaller ships and then seeing your first Royal promenade, I mean, it just changes the dynamic of your cruise experience also, because there's so much going on over there. It's very much a hub of the activity. So I, I can certainly see why you uh, gravitated towards that area. Um, let's talk about some of the things, though, on board the ship. In addition to the promenade, did you guys get a chance to check out some of the new features of Independence of the Seas, uh, perhaps some of the uh, signature activities on board? Yeah, so we we basically tried to do all that there was on board. Um, speaking of the uh, 
virtual reality that they had with uh, the sky pad. Yeah, the sky pad. So it's like a trampoline and you're bouncing up on a trampoline and you have virtual reality goggles on. Uh, We both tried that and it was a blast. Uh, You choose between three different options of three different experiences and it's like a game. And I absolutely loved that. And surprisingly, uh, I've done some other virtual reality experiences before. And this was really different from uh, what I've experienced before where, you know, I could get a little motion sick, but not at all in this case. It was a lot of fun. And then make sure that your experience on the SkyPad is unique because you do have an option to use the virtual reality or without the virtual reality. Right. <clears throat> Don't just be in the harness and, and jump around if you want to opt out of the virtual virtual reality experience, which I thought was nice. And then when you do it without the virtual reality, you can show off your skills and really do a lot of flips and, you know, get the crowd hooting and hollering for you for, you know, your skills. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Of course, they're talking about the the SkyPad, the virtual reality bungee trampoline experience. I booked that for my for me and my daughter, my oldest daughter, on uh, Mariner of the Seas, which we're going to be going on soon. And we're excited for it. I think it's going to be a really cool thing. And I love that they incorporated virtual reality with what is otherwise a fairly uh, what's the word uh, ex- experience that we've experienced we've had in other places. But I really like what they did with it. And it sounds like you guys really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to even more being able to try it out myself. Yeah, and we actually def- uh, tried two different times. <clears throat> we, um, so the first time I tried was uh, basically a Transformer sci-fi game that you were basically a goalie and these robots are attacking you. I think Alana, the, her first one was like a Candy Crush version that you were jumping through the yellow brick road. and Of candy. Of yeah. candy. And then we actually, the next time we did, we actually flipped and I did the the Candy Crush, which was interesting to see, you know, that the sensation when you're jumping and when you're watching from just observing is completely different because you feel like you're jumping extremely high on the game. And then sometimes I would hear Alana saying, jump higher, jump higher. <laughs> I'm like, ah. Yeah. Yeah, so we both got to try it twice and then just flip-flopped our experiences so we get get to see what each other saw. So it was a lot of fun, but uh, I think my favorite was the ice skating. They had the ice skating rink and uh, got to experience the ice skating on the ship, and that was just such a blast. Yeah, the ice skating is, is really fun. My Also, my daughter really loves that quite a bit. And how cool is it that you're in a, you know, you're on a cruise ship in the middle of the Caribbean, but you get to go ice skating – and, you know, it's included in the cost of your cruise. And mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. I'm not sure what kind of a skater you are, Lena. I'm the more of the let's just keep going straight until we can't possibly go straight anymore. And then I'll turn myself around <laughs> kind of skater. But <laughs> perhaps you have more grace. <laughs> Maybe just a little. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was great to see how they repurposed a lot of the rooms. Uh, they did convert it for a couple of the days for laser tag which that was very interesting, which basically they just inflate these right. walls. So right on top of, they basically cover the ice rink, the floor of it, and that, that space transfers into laser tag. So when you don't see ice skating on the uh, agenda of the day, you can see laser tag instead in that space. So really great use of the entire ship. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get to try laser tag, and that was the only uh, get, the only activity it. that we didn't get to do. Yeah, but it, we did get to see it uh, blown up with. It's basically think of like a bounce house, and you know they blow it up, and instead of bouncing in it, you walk through it, and that's like how the walls are. Nice. Let's talk about some of the uh, places to eat on board because that's also some of the changes they added in Independence. They added Playmaker Sports Bar, Izumi Hibachi. Uh, in fact, I believe Izumi Hibachi might be the largest Izumi Hibachi at, on, in the fleet currently. Uh, fish and chips, fish and chips rather, which is again the <laughs> only ship in the fleet that offers this. Also, Sugar Beach Candy Shop. Did you guys get a chance to try any of these? We we tried the Sugar Beach Candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were having the samplers as soon as we walked in. It was great to see you know the promenade open on the day. They weren't selling anything, but you could sample the different all the different candy <clears throat> that they had. So that was fun. Um, Azumi's was actually really pretty. We got to uh, go in and see it and, um, you know, see how they set up for the hibachi. Um, we didn't get to eat there, unfortunately, but uh, 
you know, I was actually really impressed with uh, Playmakers, though, with the amount of TVs and just how that setup is. I can't imagine, you know, the energy for, you know, there were some games going on walking through, but I'm not much of a, a football fan myself. So I didn't stick around to watch any of the games, but you just walking through, you could really feel the energy of everyone who's interested in you know sports and watching the games up on these huge tvs covering an entire wall all over uh the room there it's it's really a lot of fun plus a billiard table they had uh right. the games for you know the, the one the games that adults like to play the pool table um i think they had a foosball in there also so they had a lot of activities to keep you extremely engaged in there Nice. So is it safe to say that you guys are more like main dining room kind of folks, which would be kind of how I approach a lot of my cruises? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a very accurate uh... – And this is the first time we did as a freestyle dining or my time dining. How would you like Which It was a different experience. Not our favorite per se um, because you don't get to know your waitre- waiter or waitress. And that's one of the things that we saw that the service was a little bit different with that. But it was still enjoyable. The food was great. Um, you know, meeting new people each day, which makes it fun. Right. Some days we were seated with other uh, parties, which, you know, we love because we like to to chat with others. And other days it was just us, just us which was fine. Um, the only thing, you know, we've tried the freestyle and my time dining on other cruise lines before and i would say it was a bit more of a uh, similar experience night to night whereas uh, on this particular cruise we got a little bit different types of service uh, each night it wasn't as um, predictable from night to night Uh, the one night for example uh, they had a little issue with the computer so we wound up sitting on a different floor where uh the my time anytime dining you normally would sit on deck three so we moved up in the world and (laughs) got bumped up to deck four which really jokingly aside it's not moving up it's just where the normal times were for um first seating and second seating go on the other floors so you know it's just i feel like it's just a different experience yeah Absolutely. I mean, I'm more of a – I prefer – I think we've only done traditional dining when we do the main dining room. And my type of dining has its benefits. I mean, a lot of people really like it simply because you can go – you can you know make reservations ahead of time for, for a specific time or you can just simply show up you know when you're kind of hungry and ready for dinner. And you may have to wait a little bit, but at the same time, it gives you a lot more flexibility. And I'm willing personally to trade that flexibility because I like what Raphael is talking about because I like having the same weight staff every night. I like having the same table and the same table mates. Like to me, that's – more important, but then again, I started cruising back before my time dining really started, so that's kind of right. what I got you know indoctrinated with. So I think that's part of it, honestly. It's just that's what I started with, so this is what I still do to this day. Yeah, yeah, we did try Johnny Rockets also. Um, definitely the milkshakes. Uh, I'm a big milkshake person, yeah. so I had to go by Johnny Rockets and also Ben and Jerry's. Which yes. <clears throat> how how fun is that having? I believe our room was in deck six, right, probably four or five doors away from the promenade, and Ben and Jerry's is right there, and <laughs> and it's uh, so is Sorrento Pizza, which was almost every night became my going to <laughs> bed food, going to bed food. <laughs> some I like some kids getting their bottles at night. Raphael's grabbing a slice of pizza. I like it. I like your stuff. <laughs> It's uh look, I'll tell you something. Sorrento's pizza, it's not my favorite pizza in the whole world. Far from it. But when it's late at night and you're headed back to the room, dude, who among us has not stopped to grab just one slice for the road, right? It's exactly hard not to. Yeah. I think it uh it does the job. <laughs> and, and I mean, even Sorrento's, I think the quality we've been on the other the other ships that I believe doesn't have Sorrento's as a smaller class class of ships do not. That it's just a normal pizza place. Yeah. That you, the taste is better, um, and it's very well laid out. It's not just like you're feeling like you're on the back of the ship, on you know, on the adult only section, and it's just a little corner table. It's actually a whole restaurant, which makes it even more fun. I also tried some of the other things on the menu in Sorrento's. Um, they have like 
pasta salads and, you know, caprese, other fun things just besides um, pizza. So that was was good as well. Oh, nice. You know, I, I'm trying to – while you were talking about that, Alana, I was trying to think, have I ever eaten anything other than the pizza over there? But they do have some <laughs> nice, you know, antipasta and some salads, as you mentioned. So don't overlook it. That's the, really the bottom line. And the nice thing about cruising also, and you know this, is that – you know, it's 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 included, so you can eat it, and if you don't like it, it's no big deal. So you just, you know, put it to the side and move on to something else. Exactly. So let's talk about some of the places you visited uh, on your cruise. You went to Labadee, Royal Caribbean's private destination. What did you guys do there, and what did you think? I, I videotaped the whole time because um, somebody decided to be a daring person. I'll let her <laughs> talk about it. Yeah, so I did the water slide, or excuse me, the... Zipline. The zipline. The zipline over water, uh, which is the longest zipline over water in the world. So that was a lot of fun. Um, thank goodness Raphael did uh, film from that because I almost lost my camera while we were doing that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm quite a bit of a daredevil, so I wasn't too scared. Uh, but the party mates that went down with me um, were having a blast and... You know, I love that type of adrenaline rush, so I was all about it. Have you done it before? Yeah, I did it a couple of years ago when uh, I think it was Quantum of the Seas, and it was one of those things where I was like, I think it was the day I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it, and, and yeah. I went over there, and I remember, so when you do the zip line, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's the exact same way as it was when I did it, Alana, but we start off with a practice zip line. There's a little, like, practice run exactly. in the back, and... I did that and that was fine. Although I don't know about you, we had we lost like three people to that. Like people just quit after that because they were just like, oh, "I'm not doing this." And then, it's not for me. <laughs> and then we went up to this. Then you take the you get you hop in a truck, you go up the mountain or hill, whatever you want to call it, up to the top of the zip line. And I think another three people quit at that point because they were like, "Nope." And uh, it is a little. I'm gonna be honest. I was nervous when I got up to that platform. I don't know about you, but I. I mean, I did it, but I was, I was, I was very nervous. Just, um, you know what it was? It wasn't even the view or the fact you're however many hundred feet up. It was the <laughs> fact that the 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 dude working it was like, yeah, uh, the mas- the most important thing you can do is make sure no part of your body's hit the zip line itself because it'll slice your leg or arm off. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> and so the oh whole time, the, I was just petrified of losing a limb on that ride. Wow. <laughs> I think they left that part out in my introduction. No, no. Okay. Her introduction was great. And the lady's like, well, because there is no wind today, make sure you lean back or you're going to get stuck in the middle of it. Oh, wow. And just be dangling there. Yeah. So did they give you the choice of like that? Was it the torpedo or the spread eagle or whatever it is? The, the these On ours, it was so much wind. We had to go with like our limbs like out to slow us down because we couldn't go in the – I don't know, the torpedo mode or whatever. I'm not sure if you had the choice of it or not. Oh, uh, no, no. It was um, lean, you know, back and- lean back as if I'm laying on my back, essentially. Uh, and then you could do an alternative, but you had to make this decision as you signed up of going head first, um, which would just be like oh, laying yeah. on your belly. That's a new option. So that's a new thing they're offering with where you could do that. It's so like the... Essentially, if you're trying to figure out what Alana's is talking about, it's kind of like imagine the Superman pose, like Superman flying through the air. That's mm-hmm. essentially what it's more or less like. Um, so, Rafa, how would the, how did the video come out? Was it just screaming the entire way down? <laughs> uh, it actually turned out pretty good. I was able with, uh, to get her, you know, getting set up on on the top of the the mountain over there and, and coming down. And it was great to be on the bottom and just hearing the screams. <laughs> It's like a, it's like the uh, what is it the Doppler effect right where the sound as it moves past you. <laughs> so from, um, from there, from there we just uh, actually uh, we went for some food. Uh, it was great, you know, that they set up multiple different locations, not just the one. As soon as you get off from the ship, so if you're hungry, there's at least three or four different places that we saw that you can grab uh, the buffet. Um, from there, we just walked around, went to the ruins that they had. I think it was uh, the Overwatch that you, you get some amazing views of, you know, the ship. And- yeah, a nice little hike with some like lookout points, basically. Yep, down by um, it's by the or in the general area, I should say, of where the zip line ends. That part of Labadee, uh, there's mm-hmm. some nice little walking trails and 
and some old ruins. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and the nice thing is you guys went in January, so it's not a 1,000 degrees over there. Because when I go in the summertime or whatever, it's like – I always aspire to do it, and then it's like 500 degrees. I'm like, no, I think I'm going to sit here in the, in the ocean and continue floating and not sweating. <laughs> so <laughs> and, nice and thing about January, you get to do that. Yeah, and it was great because Independence of the Seas is a nice-sized ship. And even when you were in, in Labadee, it did not feel crowded. It actually felt like there was a lot of room even for you to find chairs to lay down. Um, and with the activities, it wasn't you had to wait hours and hours to go do it. Right. So it wasn't like very crowded. Yeah. <clears throat> it definitely nice. felt spread out. I would I would agree with that for sure. Now the other port you guys visited, you said was Cozumel. Uh, Falmouth. Falmouth. What you guys do in Falmouth? We actually got a, a taxi ride. Uh, they took us to Montego Bay. Um, which is about 45 minutes uh, drive from there. We actually just uh, explored the city a little bit, uh, learned a little bit of the history, did um, uh, like a farmer's market, basically just went sightseeing for the day. Interesting. So let me back you up for a second. When you, you leave the port area, did you just simply walk out of the port area and look for a taxi? Was that your basic strategy or did you have something booked beforehand? Uh, we, we, <laughs> we had nothing planned. So when we walked out, we wanted to go see what, you know, similar to Nassau and other ports, we're like, okay, let's see what activities that are to, to do in or near around the port. So we basically walked out and by, I think, five minute walk, we're like, oh, the city has ended. So let's <laughs> find a, a, find an activity. So we started talking with one of the, the, the people with the blue shirts uh, that guide you, and they pointed out to a couple of uh, different taxis, you know, reliable taxi people. Unfortunately, our taxi did break down, which made oh. a story. Yeah, we had a really crazy experience. <clears throat> um, we So the whole plan was to, to do the kind of sightseeing and, you know, there wasn't that much to see. So we decided since we didn't have our GoPro, we were going to uh, – not do uh, Duns River Falls, which is uh, an attraction that I really wanted to do when we went there. But we decided, you know, we'd explore Montego Bay. And, you know, we had an adventure in, in itself with, um, you know, this is this is going to go down one for the books that we were on the side of the road for an hour, an hour uh, with our with our our van broken down. And it was just us. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it was crazy, Matt. Um, <laughs> were you nervous about like missing the ship, or was this just like you thought? You know, you 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 weren't too concerned. We we still had enough time that we were we we set a <clears throat> a limit that if it wasn't resolved by a certain time, that we were just going to go. Right. So we started hailing cabs at one o'clock, and our ship all aboard was three. So. And it was like a 45, 50 minute drive. So, I mean, it wasn't like we had all the time in the world, but um, luckily uh, the car, yeah, the car got fixed. He got what he needed. And uh, we're just like, all right, take us straight back. (laughs) (laughs) And the tour, it, it, um, you know, it was an unexpected thing, but, you know, it kind of turned out as a fun story. And it's going to be a really funny vlog uh, because I was just like, what is happening? Um, (laughs) So, you know, it's you I was singing and just being silly, trying to make the best of it. So yeah. it is what it is. And, and it goes back to one of those uh I believe one of the uh the videos that you have, Matt, that booking excursions through the ship or booking on your own, the pros and cons. Right? That's a prime example. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean I would I would just expand that and take it one step further and just, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, having plans in general. Uh, you know, can certainly give you a good idea of what to expect. And um, I mean, to the best laid plans, I mean, these things can happen. But I'm glad you had a good attitude about it. And, you know, that positive outlook, I think, definitely helps not freaking out and, you know, being that person on YouTube who's losing their mind because, you know, they're, I mean, look, it is, it is a little scary. I, I'm not saying that I would be calm and collected as well. But, you know, the fact that you took it, you know, you're singing, that's that's good. That allows you to kind of, you know, take it a little easier. And, and, you know, maybe that puts less pressure on the driver. Anyway, you got it fixed. So, you can laugh at it now. Um, yeah. It's definitely a, a memory that you'll not soon forget. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, we travel so much that, you know, it, it wasn't like earth shattering to us. We're just like, okay, well, we'll give them this amount of time to fix it. And if not, you know, we're, we're out of here. And yeah. we yep. cut our losses. But, you know, it worked out. And 
you know, it's, we'll, we'll be back to uh, Jamaica someday soon. So, um, you know, but we'll get another go at it. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, I really appreciate you guys joining us here. And again, I will post a link in our show notes at royalcreamblog.com, a link to uh, Alana Raphael's uh, YouTube channel. So you can check it on out. And they've got some videos. Uh, that, first of all, there's an interview of me on there. And we also have uh, some inter- some videos that they posted from their Independence of the Seas sailing, so you can check those out as well. Basically, be busy for a couple hours watching their stuff. And uh, <laughs> before we let you guys go, though, I want to get to since it's your first time on our podcast, I like to get a, let, get to know our guests a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you a couple quick questions about how you like to cruise on a Royal Caribbean. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind when I give you these questions, kind of like rapid fire questions. If that makes sense. Sound okay. good? Yeah. All right, since you sailed on Independence of the Seas, what's your best tip for someone going on Independence for their first time? Try everything. That's That's a, a can't go That's... wrong with that one. That's like the Zootopia <laughs> theme, right? <laughs> uh, plan favorite out your day. Plan out Thank your you. day ahead of time, On especially since with the app. I think that helps us a lot, getting an idea. Uh, favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? Sorrentos. <laughs> <laughs> the candy store? Does that count? <laughs> that totally counts. Uh, preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise? Drink of the day. Agreed. Ooh, well, there you go. Uh, favorite port of call to visit? Ah, that's a tough one. Anywhere I haven't been yet because it makes it the most exciting. That's a really good one. I like that. Raphael? I, I, yeah, I'll go with that one. <laughs> I cannot top that one. <laughs> There's no way. Uh, and lastly, your favorite song on the radio or your iPhone today? Hmm. I wasn't listening to the radio. That's a good question. <laughs> what song's been stuck in here? What's your earworm that you've been just kind of hearing on the radio? I don't know. If you had to put on a song right now, what would you put on? Um, well, I was most recently singing Bob Marley while I was in Jamaica, while I was on the side <laughs> of the road. So I'd say anything by Bob Marley. <laughs> Bring back those memories. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yeah, for me, it's probably Justin Timberlake. What was uh, the one that, from the movie Trolls? I got oh, that. yeah. Yeah. That was a there very good go. Awesome. Well, Raphael and Alana, thank you guys so much for joining us here on the Royal Green Blog Podcast. Really appreciate it. Oh, it was such a pleasure. We we really enjoyed being on, and you know we love chatting, cruising. So thank you so much. And Matt, just uh, to give you an update, also we might be going on a cruise the week before you. Oh, on a, ship, on a ship that you were broadcasting that is just coming out of refurbishment on the twenty fourth. Oh, little teaser there. And if you pay attention <laughs> to Real Caribbean News, you should know exactly what Raphael's talking about. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be doing on there. Perfect, and we'll definitely let you know. How about we answer some listener questions? Yeah, all right. Let's dive into the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast inbox and answer your Royal Caribbean Cruise questions. Our first email this week is from Anthony Buglio. Right, Matt, I've taken your advice and begun booking my next cruise as far out as I can. At this moment, I have four cruises booked, but the next being on Freedom of the Seas for February 3rd, 2019. In making other reservations, I had to prepay a deposit of $500 for each room. Right now, is the next cruise office on board ship requiring the same deposit amount for a cruise booking? My past experience has been one of the benefits of using next cruise was a greatly reduced deposit of $50 or $100 per person. As always, thanks for the information and the podcast. Anthony, thank you for the email. And the current program allows for a $100 per person deposit. It applies to any room you book that's junior suite category or below. So interiors, ocean view, balcony, and junior suites are included with this offer. Grand suites and above will require the full deposit amount, which usually is closer to that $500 amount. So Anthony, hopefully that answers your information there. Uh, I know that reduced deposit is always a nice little perk. It's less money you're you're shelling out in the beginning. But I would also uh, tell you that if you know there's a ceiling you want to book, I do recommend putting a deposit down now. Because the time you wait between now and whenever you go on your next sailing, I just I would be worried that you would sacrifice a price increase uh, in exchange for that lower deposit amount. May not may may or may not happen. May not be significant, but I think generally speaking, most people are more interested in the lowest possible price and willing to forego the deposit amount more than anything else. But you know, to each their own. But I would just put that little caveat out there. 
Next, we have an email from Michael Pastore from Spring Hill, Florida. Hey, Matt, I've been reading the Royal Caribbean blog stories on Facebook for years, but only recently found the podcast and live videos all across social media platforms. All this info is especially helpful to me as I assist in running an annual group cruise called Fibro Cruise, a group cruise for people with the disease fibromyalgia. When members of my cruise have questions, I can generally answer them all since you keep us educated and up to date with all that's Royal Caribbean related. Looking forward to the upcoming Orlando meetup and hope to join you on a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise in the future. Think Oasis 5 Group Cruise 2021. Looking forward to the year ahead as I have sailings booked on Oasis, Mariner, Navigator, and Adventure, all ships that will be new to me. Thanks again for being a great source of knowledge for all that is Royal Caribbean. Well, Michael, thank you so much for the email. Actually, Michael said he was looking forward to the meetup, but we actually had the meetup the day before I recorded this podcast. But uh, it was a pleasure to meet Michael and his family, and uh, I love getting a chance to talk Royal Caribbean. And thank you. I'm so glad that you're finding the blog and podcast and different videos I put together very, very helpful. So, Michael, that's awesome. Next, we have an email from Ilona who writes, My next cruise will be the first time as a Diamond member. As a fellow Crown and Anchor member, I was hoping you might know the answer to this. Do the Diamond drinks that are loaded onto your CPAS card need to be used during the time window for the Diamond Happy Hour? Thanks for all you do with the blog. The answer to your question is yes. So every evening, you Diamond members or above Diamond, Diamond Plus, Pinnacle members, get preload. It's not really preload. I guess it is preloaded. I mean, there's no real coupon. But anyway, <laughs> each evening you're entitled to three drinks per evening of a limited diamond drink menu. But that is limited to a certain time of the evening. It depends on the ship. It's usually between like 5 and 8.30, somewhere in that ballpark. Sometimes they begin earlier, like 4 or 4.30. It depends on the sailing. But anyway, the bottom line is, no, you can't use it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or 9 a.m. or anything like that. It's basically when the diamond happy hour is occurring in the diamond lounge, that's when you can take advantage of those three drinks that you get as well as a diamond member. Hopefully, that's pretty clear right there. Thank you for the email. Next is an email from Matthew, writes, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Womp, womp. I was wondering if you knew when Royal Caribbean will announce their 2020 Cuba program. Ooh, good question, Matthew. You know what? It's been kind of lost in the shuffle, hasn't it, with the different itineraries being released back in the fall? And the answer is I don't know. Royal Caribbean has not announced it. Historically, though, Matthew, that'll typically come out in the uh, February-March time frame-ish. Uh, I say ish because Cuba's also been kind of an anomaly because Cuba has is a relatively new offering and has always been off on its own little cycle, it may or may not come out that time, Matthew. But as soon as I do know when Cuba will be announced for uh, you know future sellings that haven't been in, uh, available to book yet, I will definitely post about it at royalcreamblog.com. Next, we have an email from James Woodward who writes, Matt, my wife and I are just back from our recent selling on Liberty this season and wanted to share some information with you I found interesting. He hope it's not too nerdy. After I listened to episode 283, How to Cruise on a Tight Budget, it seemed even more helpful. When concerning whether to reprice a booking or not, I always look at the cruise fare per person minus the dollar amount of any perks being offered, either by Royal Caribbean or a travel agent, per person to establish a value. I feel this value gives me the best picture of how much money will actually be changing hands. When the fare or the perk changes, I look at the value. If it's lower than the value, I currently hold reprice the booking. If it's not, if it's the same or higher, I do not. I booked a December 9th, 2018 cruise on December 27th, 2017, directly with Royal Caribbean. I decided to track the price slash perk changes as shown on the Royal Caribbean website for our sailing. I followed your advice, and every morning, I poured myself a cup of coffee, opened up the Royal Caribbean app, and checked what price or perk showed up that day. For our sailing, the only perk that was ever offered was onboard credit. Some numbers I found interesting. The fare and or perk changed 55 times between my booking date and final payment date, about eight and a half months. The value, fare minus perk, went up 29 times, down 24 times, and stayed the same two times. The fare per person ranged between $529 to $710. The amount of onboard credit per person ranged from zero to $75 per person. In the first six weeks of the sailing, checking fares and perks, I repriced our booking three times. After that, I never repriced again. Value never was lower than what I already had. The value per person went from $564 to $539, then to $513, and finally to $500.50 per person. I was surprised to find that the ultimate fare we paid was not the lowest I saw, nor was the amount of onboard credit the highest I saw. As far as I'm concerned, it always pays to check fares when you've already after you booked a cruise. Our value went down 10% on this sailing. I thank you for letting me know I could reprice a booking with no penalty if a better deal became available. Your blog and podcast has helped me so much become a better informed cruiser, which has made my cruising experience much more enjoyable, not to mention less expensive. James, thank you for the email and... Uh, 
yes, it was very nerdy, but I did enjoy it. As a fellow nerd, I enjoyed it, James. And what James did is, I think, on the extreme of repricing. I don't even check it every day. I highly doubt I check it every week. It's a bit to do there. But what I think James illustrated very clearly was he was best situated to get the lowest possible he called it a value, but let's just overall price for his cruise by booking his cruise as early as he could and then taking advantage of any other perks that came down the down the pipeline, as opposed to, you know, waiting maybe, you know, a couple months before the sailing and then just booking whatever. It really does behoove you to, to you know, book it and then keep checking prices. Now, you don't have to go to James's level. Like I said, checking it every day, I think James would be the first person to tell you it's a bit excessive, but the bottom line is there are opportunities to perhaps... Uh, take advantage of price drops. And I think, generally speaking, when there's a new sale, which usually happens about once a month or so, you know, like a actual new offer, not just, you know, weekend offers or whatnot, you could generally find some decent uh, value there. It's not going to be a huge change, right? But at the same time, it allows him, you know, he saved basically, went from, I think, his highest price he paid, uh, you know, the fare per person range from $529 to $710. So that's a pretty big chunk of change, especially if you're multiplying that by, you know, three or four passengers. I mean, look, that's just, you know, it's a lot of money that you can save there. But booking early, repricing, if you live in a country that allows that, I, James, I totally agree with you, dude. And I salute your very nerdy approach to pricing it out. I like it. Next, we have an we have an email from Alyssa. We're talking about, I'm a cruise lover and student journalist who just got paid uh, a paid travel blog gig. Woo! For my first article, I want to write how cruising is the best travel option for young people, in my opinion. What are some tips, tricks, or advice you could give 20-year-old something cruisers that I could add in my blog and contribute to you? I'd love to know why Royal Caribbean might be a good option for this group specifically, too. Wow. First of all, congratulations on the gig. You know, what tips or tricks and advice to give to 20-something-year-old cruisers? I definitely think my advice for 20-something-year-olds applies to 30s, 40-somethings, and 50-somethings, and 70-somethings. And that is really just to, you know, an educated cruiser is is the best kind of cruiser. You want to do yourself a favor and research what is available on your sailing, both in terms of how much your cruise costs, where you're going, uh, onboard amenities, onboard activities, and, of course, the shore excursions that you'll be taking. In general, I feel like the biggest pitfall is people just simply book a cruise in the same way people might book, I don't know, an, a reservation at the Olive Garden or even a hotel room to some extent, in the sense that you, it's a book it and forget it kind of thing. You just show up to it. And that's really not the way to do it. I mean, it's not say you can, you'll have a bad vacation that occurs, but I think you can have a much better vacation, an enhanced uh, vacation, by doing research. All too often, I hear from folks that try a cruise or two and they say they had a good time, but they didn't realize they could have done X, Y, or Z. And this comes from just basically not doing your research ahead of time. A cruise vacation is a decent investment, whether you're booking a three-night cruise or a, you know, a 7, 12, 14-night cruise. There's a lot that goes into it. And you're putting money down, not only for the cruise fare, but throughout the experience. And if there are ways you can save money on that, I think everybody's really down for that. And it goes beyond just saving money. It also goes to just enhancing your experience, perhaps being able to take advantage of, a, of an opportunity, an activity, a, a event that you may not have known about. Again, research is really key. And I know that's kind of self-serving because, of course, <laughs> I run a blog about cruising and it's kind of my best interest if everybody does that. So that's that. that fact is not lost on me. But I really, really do believe that if you do a little bit of research, you don't have to go crazy. You don't have to... You know, start your own blog and, and keep track of what's happening in cruising. But if you do a little bit of research and just look into some basic things, I really feel it will greatly enhance your vacation and more likely save you a lot of money on the, on the, at the same time. So, Alyssa, hopefully that answers your question there and provides you some helpful information going forward. Next, we have an email from Sean writes, I've been listening to your blog for the last few years and using your online info to provide good information to other cruisers. Yesterday, I listened to the episode 284, Reasons People Avoid Going on a Cruise and Why They're Wrong, and agreed with all the suggestions offered. And of course, what else hits the news yesterday but the outbreak of norovirus on Oasis of the Seas? And now I keep seeing all the comments on Facebook about poor cleanliness of rooms, what special wipes to use on TV remotes, not joking, etc. I agree with what you and Billy said on the podcast. However, perhaps you could do a complete podcast on the issue, like having some experts in different areas to join you online and bring all the facts. Someone that can talk about the actual virus and how little it is needed for transmission and how it really is transmitted, what the sort of bought wipes do or don't do, a medical professional can talk about the condition, and perhaps someone talking on more what travelers can do to stay well. I know it's a small issue, but it's one that grabs people's attentions and seems to have the most stupid myths associated with it. Happy cruising! And hope to get you hope to get on a group cruise with you one day, especially if you do one in the South Pacific. 
Thanks, Sean. That's the second shameless uh, suggestion for a group cruise itinerary on this podcast. You know, it's a really good point, Sean. And here's the here's the thing, Sean. A, I think you bring up a really good point, and I think that we probably should spend a little more time talking about the virus and, and going through some of those facts and points that you brought up. I, I don't think you're wrong one bit. I will also point out that I don't think it matters in the grand scheme of changing people's minds. Let's let's be honest. Here's the reality of the nature of media today. And that is when these incidents occur, they garner an unfair amount of attention because it just scares people. And no matter how many blog posts, podcast episodes, YouTube videos, or anything else I create that are about the issue and debunking why it's completely wrong, people don't care. they, They literally don't care. It doesn't get any attention. Case in point, USA Today did a blog post uh, on their website about, uh, I want to say a week or two before the Oasis of the Seas incident, talking about how in the last three years, I believe, the amount or the rate of uh, gastronomical illness outbreaks on cruise ships has reached just an almost an all-time low. It's, it's the lowest it's been in a number of years. And that post was not picked up very widely. It just, you know, it languished. Now, meanwhile, a couple fast forward to that uh, norovirus outbreak on on Oasis of the Seas, and every little dumb news out, newspaper outlet, TV channel, and everyone and their mother posted about that, right? And usually in a lot of these cases, they just copy and paste that stuff. Why? Because it just garners attention. They don't care. They don't care what the reality is. That's not going to get them what they're... They're interested in clicks and views, and, and that's the bottom line. I hate to say it that way, but that is how the media operates. They're in a, they're in a business that is purely based on eyeballs. This is not new, by the way. I mean, TV is the same way. They want you to watch. Websites want you to click. And TV wants you to, you know, keep watching, watch their commercials and all that other stuff. So good news like that doesn't garner nearly the attention that it should. So my point is, what I'm trying to get at is I could write all the stuff and record all the stuff I want to do, Sean. And you could be like, next time it happens, you could be like, oh, look, Matt recorded this awesome podcast all about this with experts and this and this and this and this. And you know what? It won't matter. It's not like that people are going to stop posting about it. It's not like randos all over Facebook aren't going to share the article. Be like, look how dangerous cruising is. I'll never go on a cruise, right? You've seen those posts. You know, call me uh, the opposite naive. What's the opposite naive? Uh, Call me, you know, I don't know what, but I I just feel like it's just not going to matter. In these kind of news cycles, it is purely just the shock of it. And then it's on to the next thing. You know, the cute kitten video follows that. And then, of course, the other, you know, whatever other incident. I mean, if it, there's the old saying in the news, which is if it bleeds, it leads. I, I just don't know that we'll do much except, you know, either people who already know the truth, like you and me, Sean. They're like, yeah, that's right. Matt is onto it. And other people will just simply ignore it because they just, you know, they, it's more interesting to believe the myth than the than the reality of it. So now that I've, <laughs> I've gone on that tirade about that and got off my soapbox, I do appreciate the suggestion, Sean. That wasn't my tirade was aimed at the media, not not you. I just, you know, I've, I've, I've written many a post over over the years about why such and such isn't reality or these myths, and the, and you know, sadly, doesn't it doesn't really change the dial or move the dial, I guess is the right metaphor in terms of people, you know, changing their real attitudes towards it. It really won't change until the media stops reporting on it and and you know making headlines in places that really have no interest. This happens, all, by the way, all over the place. I mean, you know, it's it's you know. I'm not, we won't spend more time going over it. There's lots of examples I can give you, but the bottom line is, uh-huh. yeah, it's just I'm not sure what it'll change anyone's opinion, which is which is too bad. It really is. I certainly would 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 love a wider audience that would listen to the podcast to get those kind of facts, but alas. Let's move on to our next email. It's from Luis, who writes, uh, Love your blog. It's been amazing. Need your help on a question I have. I just booked a 2020 offer for Harmony of the Seas, which includes a complimentary deluxe drink package. We've booked one of the balconies, which is applicable for this offer. Will the tips be included, or will we have to pay them for every drink we get on board? Uh, thank you for the email. Appreciate that. So, complimentary deluxe drink package. I'm not sure how you get a free drink package. I mean, I do know that you get a... If you're staying in a boardwalk balcony room you will get a complimentary uh soda package not the deluxe one the deluxe is the unlimited alcohol package um broker gives you that so the only thing i can think of is that a travel agent gave you a travel agency gave you the complimentary deluxe drink package or perhaps you're from one of the, like the uk oftentimes has this kind of offer maybe even australia sometimes where it's free drink package but the reality is they just charged you extra for it and they just didn't tell you anyway um let me put it this way 
if it really truly is, no matter which trick package you're talking about, if you have the, if you have a the deluxe trick package, the refreshment package, the the soda package, in either case of those, you're going the gratuity for every drink you order is already included. That's one of the things about Royal Caribbean's drink packages is whether you buy it or how no however you get it. The bottom line is you don't have to pay anything extra in gratuity for drinks you order. When you if you were to buy the drink package on its own you would see there's a line item for, there's two line items. One is for the actual drink package, and the other is for something called the service charge. And on that service charge, you get the, uh, you that's what covers your gratuity. And then any drinks you order, you don't need to add any additional tips already included with that. Certainly can you, of course, but it's not required. It's already going to include an 18% gratuity on top of what, you're, what you've ordered. So hopefully that makes some sense there. Next, let's go on to an email from... Carolyn from Little Elm, Texas, going on our first Royal Caribbean cruise in June. We've always stayed close to the ship on previous cruises. Looking at a couple of beach days, this time in Roatan and Cozumel, maybe at Mr. Sanchez. Wondering what people typically do with their stuff at the beach if the whole family wants to go in the water. Are there lockers? Do we need to plan, take turns, watching our belongings? Thanks for all you do. Family loves your podcast. Carolyn, good question. I mean, obviously, I guess in an ideal world, sure, you'd all take turns and somebody would be out there. I will point out to you, Carolyn, in my experience... I think there's a couple things you do. Number one, don't leave your important belongings just sitting out there in the open. Put it underneath the towel. I do this on the cruise ship, right? I'll I'll put it underneath the towel, put it in a backpack, but then take the backpack, put it under the chair. So it's just a little less obvious. Step one. Step two is to swim in an area in which you're kind of close to shore and keep an eye on it. Uh, you know, so if you're going to be swimming in the ocean, try to get a beach chair that's close to the ocean. You can keep an eye on it and see, you know, just see where it is. I mean, that's that's the basics of it. That's what I do primarily. Some places will offer lockers. Some will not. This may not be an option for you. Uh, I can also tell you to limit what you do bring on shore. So, you know, if you're going on a shore excursion and you know this situation may occur, you know, bring only, I only, whenever I go on shore, I bring just usually one credit card, not my whole wallet. I'll bring my passport because you have to do that. I'll bring cash, but I won't bring, you know, necessarily, you know, my Bluetooth speaker, uh, my phone, my wife's phone and a bunch of other, you know, it's just, you don't need to bring that kind of liability with you. Perhaps you limit it, but in my experience, Carolyn, I've generally just done pretty well with, you know, keeping this stuff out of eyesight and sort of, you know, putting it like underneath towels, things that's just somebody walking by just can't see. Oh, look, there's there's an iPad sitting out there, right? You don't want to do that with those kinds of things. And the closer you can swim to you, the better. There are some things that you can buy, like, you know, there's like a, like a, some like waterproof things you can bring into the ocean, like a, almost like a, a fanny pack ish kind of thing where you stuff all your stuff in there and it's waterproof and you can swim with it. I mean, you could invest in one of those things, I suppose, but that's a bit overkill for what I think. I, I'm not sure that the uh, it's worth it to me, but uh, I will tell you that uh, that's what I do. And uh, certainly, if anyone has any other recommendations, please feel free to post them in our show notes at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Next up, we have an email from. Uh, Shonzia, I think. My husband and I are huge fans of your show. We're taking a cruise for his 40th birthday on Independence of the Seas this December. We have a couple questions about the sailing. First question, can you explain the difference between cabanas and bungalows and labadee? So basically, cabanas are... There's a couple... They're very subtle differences, but a cabana will have three full walls, the back wall, the side wall, and the other side wall. Uh, and whereas a, lot, whereas a bungalow has a half a back wall... Another side wall, and then missing a side wall is like a curtain or something like that. Also, the level of service is slightly better in a cabana. Uh, more personalized, let's put it that way. Not bad. I don't want to say better is probably the wrong word. Uh, you also have more space between cabanas than you do with bungalows. Primarily, that's kind of the big differences over there. Um, that, that's like number one. Second question. Our cruise is during New Year's Eve. I couldn't find much information from past cruise compasses. I was wondering if you have any insights into special activities for New Year's Eve night. There are going to be a number of activities. Uh, it really depends on your sailing and obviously what ship you're on and what they can offer. There's going to be parties all over the ship. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be the balloon drop. There's going to be DJ parties. There's also going to be opportunities for you to perhaps indulge or, you know, I know that on some ships on the Royal Promenade, they'll have like a special VIP area you can buy yourself access into. It depends on the ship, but there's going to be a number of events related to New Year's Eve, especially when you close to that midnight hour. Uh, and you can kind of pick and choose which party, if you want to put it that way, you want to go to. Um, but it is a lot of fun. Actually, I'm doing my first New Year's Eve cruise this December on Freedom of the Seas. It's actually, here comes another shameless plug, a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise, Freedom of the Seas. And if you want more information about that one, we're going to be sailing over New Year's Eve. So we'll be ringing in 2020 on board Freedom. If you want to join me for it, everybody's invited. 
go to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events, royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. And our last email today is from Jim Z of Plainfield, Illinois. Hi, Matt. Love your show. Longtime listener. I was curious on my next cruise entertainment schedule that is released in advance. They show multiple days that the comedians have an act. I see that there are adults-only comedy acts and family-friendly shows, but are all the adult shows the same for each night? So I want, if, if so, I wanted to see the adult comedy show on Monday and then Thursday is the exact same act. You know, Jim, that's a really good question. And I was when I was on Symphony this season, I saw the, the comedy act a few different times. And it really depends on the comic, Jim. In my experience, some of the act will be repeated, some of it will not. I, in fact, of all the shows I saw, I don't... So I have heard in some cases there some comedians do the exact same uh, act from start to finish, and others break it apart. You may have you know a bit about this that's repeated, but then a new bit, a new bit, and then you know usually the, what they end with is almost always a established bit. It's still funny, uh, and certainly you should you know first of all it doesn't cost you anything to try it out, so it's really just your time that you're committing to it. In my experience, though, it's like you know a, a portion of it will be repeated, a portion not. It really depends on the act. I, I saw. I remember seeing two different headliners on Symphony. The first headliner, I think, repeated a lot of his act in the in for most of his show. But there was obviously some new stuff as well. But the second comedian was mo- more more new stuff. Like it changed up a little bit more. I mean, obviously, they're not going to come up with a completely different act um, <laughs> for every single performance they do. No comedian does that. You know, it's just they they work on their act. They work on their routine and try out new jokes and whatnot. You know, so I mean that this is this is true of comedy in general, not just on cruise ships. So there will be some carryover, but I think you'll find that there'll be some stuff to enjoy, nonetheless. Especially in the adult comedy shows, I feel like there's a little more leeway there because obviously what they do for the family-friendly shows will be a little bit more limited. Um, so anyway, hopefully that answers your question. Thanks to everybody for your emails, and if you want me to answer your email about of Royal Caribbean Cruise or something you read on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com or maybe you have a suggestion just like Sean had, well, feel free to send it on in. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.